glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. First Samuel chapter 1, beginning verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of this, his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret. Because the Lord had shut up her womb, and as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. They rose up early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about, after she, Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until he, she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, and she, uh, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and, one, and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young, and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh, my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Now I want to draw some analogy. I'm not going to tell you this is the primary interpretation, but I think it's a faithful biblical application of this story 
When you think of Hannah, and I want you to think of her uh, in this in symbolism, like a, like a local church. A local church is not married to a husband who has multiple wives. A local church is married to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to think of Samuel as the fruit that is born from giving the gospel and people being saved. One of the things that encourages me, I know we've not had a tremendous response from our community and door-to-door, and we do get response and radio. But do you realize that in the period of time that these young people have attended this church and been brought up in your homes, they've gotten saved, obeyed the Lord in baptism, and our fruit of your home, and our fruit at some level of this New Testament church. How many of you, how many of you young people, since you have been in Bonnerstory Baptist Church, have gotten saved and baptized? All right, this is, this is where you got saved, where you've been brought up in the things of the Lord. Now, it would be very easy to discount them because, well, they're, they're brought up by families in the church. Right, that's the way it's supposed to work. Amen? And my point would be this. Hannah had this understanding she got hungry for God to give her fruit because she was fruitless. Uh, and so I believe Samuel's birth is typological of someone being born into the family of God. I think we can, I believe with all my heart, we can apply it that way. That, that be, and here's why. His birth, we're going to begin tonight, as outline goes, with his conception. His conception was a miracle. Remember God had shut Hannah's womb? If God shuts a womb, only God can open it. And so God had withheld from her the ability to bear fruit. I believe this. How many of you would be thrilled to death to see us be able to reach someone who's unsaved, see them be born again, added to the church, and start growing in the things of the Lord? And we have seen that. Again, we've seen people saved here and grown here in the nurture and admonition of their home and of the church. But let's say, I believe this. I believe there is a bit of a hunger in our church to say, you know what? We don't just want to run a bus. We don't want to just knock on a door. We don't just want to witness to a co-worker. We would actually like to catch fish as well as fish for fish. Am I correct? You know what that is? It is a desire to be fruitful. Do you know what will give you a hunger to be fruitful? Wanting to be and not being able to be. Wanting to see fruit and not being able to. Hannah got to the point where she was so desperate that she began to pray and say, God, I'm not able to bear fruit. Her vile counterpart rubbed it in her face all the time. I can have children and you can't. Eh? Right? I believe it is unhealthy if a local church doesn't want to see souls saved and added. I think it's also unhealthy if we pull gimmicks to try to get numbers and call that salvation. That would be like, you remember what Rachel and Leah did? Remember they took their handmaid and they pretended that the children they had were their own? Now, I see churches do that. They go and steal other churches' members and say, Looky here, we got, we, we got souls added to the church. That's not the same. But it's natural. A church is likened to a woman in a marriage, meaning there is to be fruitfulness. We are to be seeing souls saved and added. I just, I'm trying to be candid with you tonight. I don't see as many people saved as I want to. Would you agree? There's a part of me that says, I don't want to just witness to people. I want to see people believe it, repent, be born again, and start growing under the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Now, again, we don't discount that we are seeing that. I, I, I have to be reminded, we do have people that have been, we've watched them get saved, obey the Lord in baptism. They're growing in their faith. They're sitting in these pews tonight. The future of this church. Amen? Uh, that's, the, that's the truth of it. But by the same token, I believe, I'm just trying to establish the analogy, the conception of Samuel makes me think of the birth of someone in the family of God because Hannah desires to have a child, but without the touch of God, she can't. 
we went through some things yesterday in our endeavor here, the little youth rally. I'll just be honest with you, we went bust. We didn't have everybody show up. It's a very exciting thing. Um, no, it's not. You know what it'll make you do? It'll make you step back and assess, and I come away with this. So I'm reminding you so much, and not just you, myself. We need to pray. Say, Lord, we want to be a fruitful church. We don't just want to be an existing church. You know, Hannah was married. She had work to do. She took care of her husband. She was worshiping the Lord, but she wanted to have a child. And the fact is, we don't want to just exist. We would desire to bear fruit in that regard, seeing souls saved and added to the Lord's family. And I, I see around here, we see the prospect of that. Hey, we get excited. Don't you think Hannah every now and then thought, maybe I'm going to have a child. Maybe, maybe, maybe. She get excited, then she get disappointed. Then she get excited, and then she get disappointed. How many times have we met somebody who thought, man, they're going to get saved, and then next thing you know, they don't want anything to do with hearing the Bible, preach, going to church. Like, oh, this one's going to get saved. No, they're not. This one's going to get saved. No, they're not. You know what it does? Get you hungry. Get you where it's like, I want to see God do a miracle in some hearts and save some people. I told some, a number of you here a while back, I have a dream for, for this church. I have a vision. All right, you ready? I want to see these chairs filled with converted convicts. I just, that thrills my soul. You say, Pastor, a bunch of convicts in church, you better believe it. Born again, transform the power of God. I'm hungry for that. But you know what? We can try, we can work, we can wear ourselves out. But do you realize Hannah couldn't have a baby until God did something? She wanted to, she was desirous to, but she realized the one withholding fruit from her was who? The Lord. And it got her, you know what? You know what we can sit here and talk about tonight? When she did bear fruit, you know who got glory? You know, Penina got glory for all her kids. God got glory for Hannah's. I would hate to have a church so we can explain how we got it done for God. Wouldn't you love to say, we got real burdened as a church family and began to say, God, bless our labor. Bless it. We're sowing the seed. Please work in hearts. Please bring men to repentance. Please help these children open their eyes. They need to be saved. God, do you realize regeneration is a birth? We need to be praying for God to bless the... Look, we're sowing the seed, but God has to do the work. The Spirit of God must move on the heart where the seed is sown so that it is open and willing to receive the seed of God's Word and be saved. And I wonder if we are as burdened as Hannah was to see... Fruit come from the things of, from the, uh, the hand of God. I'm reminded Psalm 127, 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, what does it say next? Children are in heritage of the Lord. That applies literally, but that also applies figuratively and spiritually to a local church. Children of Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church are in heritage of the Lord. The children he's given us and entrusted to us that are here that have been born again or are being brought in this church, but also newborn babes in Christ are heritage of the Lord. Do you realize God entrusting to a local church newborn baby Christians is a special blessing? I, I hate to say this. There's been times where I'll think, I'm afraid the Lord has not entrusted newborn babies to my pastoral care because he knows I wouldn't take care of them correctly. I want to. My wife and I, God's blessed us physically with children. We got another on the way. One of the things that we're both struck with, and I don't know why it hasn't struck us this more way, way this more than now, because I'll be honest with you, uh, we're getting older, and the prospect of a new child is not as exciting as it was 20 years ago. But I'll be honest with you, we were both struck with, the Lord decided he could trust us with one more. 
And I'm grateful for that. Uh, that, is, that is a blessing. Amen? Spiritually, wouldn't it be a blessing if God says, you know what, Bonner Street Baptist Church, I'm going to trust you with some babies to be brought up in my family. Should we be hungry for that? To see souls saved, see baby Christians. There's something life-giving about seeing somebody hungry for the Word of God. When you've been saved 20 years, you're not hungry for it like you used to be. You should be, but it's not the same. You're eating meat now, or you ought to be. Right? So all I'm trying to say in establishing this typology is I believe Samuel is a picture because from the womb he had been separated unto God. And even so is the child of God. When we are saved when in, in spiritual birth, you belong to God from the day that the seed of God's word was received into your heart and you are born to serve. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to drive this home tonight. You and I were not born into the family of God to live for ourselves and be a testament. We were born to serve in the things of God like Samuel was. Samuel once, I mean, from the moment he was born, his mother knew there was one purpose for him May I say this, people are not born again into the family of God simply to make churches bigger. That's, that's not, does it grow churches? Sure. That'd be like saying, you know what? We want more people in our house. Well, let's just have another child. No, God entrusts children to be raised for him that they may go and do what is right. Even so, spiritually, children are born into the family of God that they may be brought up to serve the Lord. You young people, if you're saved, God did not save you so you can go live the life you want to live and use biblical principles to make your life a little better. God saved you so that you can carry out His will for your life instead of wasting it on your own will. Amen? Absolutely. And so, in Samuel's conception you would notice Hannah's fruitlessness. That gives her a hunger and a desire to have a child. She is incapable of having a child without a miracle from God. Even so, us, except we abide in the vine, will be fruitless. Unless the Lord builds the house, we're laboring in vain. But we also see Hannah's faith. Hannah believed that God had the power to give life and to give fruit. She believed that God could do for her what was naturally impossible. How many of you know that you have, maybe you're not like me, you ever tried in your natural effort, natural endeavor to go get someone saved? I'm going to go out here and I'm going I'm to convince them real well. And you know what? You and I don't have the power to do that. We have to have the Spirit of God working with us and in us and through us. And, and so then Hannah, in faith, goes to the Lord, and you know the story. She's very honest about the fact she wants to have a child, she can have a child, but she tells the Lord, if you give me a child... I'll give him back to you to serve you. I believe this. This is, very, this is an encouraging side of this. The Lord was good to us this last year in allowing this church to send out its first missionaries. What a blessing that he would entrust that to us. Um, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is, that's not the end of things. That should be the beginning. That should be not the last missionary that Bonner's Free Baptist Church ever sends. But here's what I would say. You know, the kings weren't saved in this ministry. They were saved and grounded in another ministry. I'm glad God let us have a part. I'm glad he allowed us to take a part in that. But uh, the fact of the matter is, there needs to be a point where we recognize and acknowledge to the Lord, Lord, we are fruitless and we want to be fruitful. And where our motive gets pure to where we say, Lord, I don't want to have, I don't want to see souls saved so I can best my competition. You with me? We don't want to see souls saved. We don't see people born. I don't hear Hannah saying, Lord, give me a child so I can stick my tongue out at Penina. She says, Lord, give me a child so I can give him back to you. Meaning, I'm, and how, does Hannah know that God's going to give her any more? 
You know what this means? From a practical standpoint, her situation in the home is no different. She'll still have no child with her. She says, you give him to me, I'll give him right back to you. I really believe this. I believe God has to get us as a church to the point where we are selfless in our motivation for why we want to be fruitful before we'll see some fruit. Amen? I'm preaching to you some things the Lord has been pressing on my heart recently. I believe it's the mercy of God to withhold fruit from us at this time. Say, do you really? I do. And you know why? I believe he's purifying us and getting us to approach him by faith and realize if we're going to be the kind of church he wants us to be that's fruitful, seeing souls saved, it's going to have to be his doing. He's going to have to move on our behalf so that we're doing what we're doing by faith. It's right to work. It's right to labor. But it's all in vain except the Lord build the house. Amen? I remember when this ministry started. I remember the Lord having to over and over remind me, you know what? You should go knock doors. You should pray. You should preach. You should do all these things but I'm going to have to bless that or it's all in vain. And I believe Hannah got there. Her fruitlessness got her to a point where she's saying, Lord, I really want to have a child, but I'll promise you this. If you give me a child, I will not use him selfishly. I'll give him right back to you. I wonder if this. I wonder if God says, you know what, Bonner Straight Baptist Church, I'm going to give you souls. But here's what's going to happen. You're only going to have them long enough to get them strong enough to send off, and then you're not going to keep them. You have to send them. Be okay with that? We'll be okay with that. I, I began to say earlier when the kings went, you know, this church has been involved in giving money to missions, but this last year is the first time we've given people. Yeah? You know what? A bunch of us are completing raising our children. These kids are growing up. Inevitably, God's going to say and has to some, I want you to serve me. You know what Hannah had to do? She had to be willing to give what she longed for back to God for him to use the way he wanted. This needs to be the mind in this church. There are, there are ministries, and I want to be very careful because I don't think it's, it's a good ministry to have a ministry that tears down other ministries. I, I don't think that's wise. But there's a lot of ministry template today that is really about building a conglomeration or a mini kingdom, meaning we bring in the best of the best, we educate spiritually and in biblical things, and we keep the cream of the crop to build a bigger ministry. And the ministry in the Bible was... How many of us would agree that Paul and Barnabas were the cream of the crop? And they, Antioch didn't get to keep them. They had to send them. You say, what's this have to do with our message about Samuel? Hannah's saying, Lord, if you'll give me fruit, I won't keep him. I'll give him. I'll give him. Her heart was pure in why she wanted to bear fruit. It wasn't to make her, and maybe I'm just preaching to me tonight, but it wasn't to make her look better than her competition it was to have an opportunity to give someone to God that he could use in his service. You with me tonight? You know what? We ought to want to be fruitful. We want to be fruitful. We ought to want to see. You know what? I want to see these young people serve God. But there is a prideful temptation that says, I want to see my children raised in my home and the children raised in this church turn out right because then it makes me look better. That's sinful motivation. You know what? We're, we're representing the Lord here. And we ought to be very concerned that, Lord, help these young people to serve you so that your name is not blasphemed again it's for, for people to say, see, see, those kids were raised under it, and it didn't, it didn't stick. It didn't stick. Samuel had, a, I believe, Hannah had a desire to be fruitful, but it was a desire that became rooted in faith. Number one, her motive was right, but her method became right, that she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to go and try another herb, and I'm not going to go and try this and try... You remember what Rebe, uh, uh, Lee and Rachel did? Mandrakes. We're going to try this and manipulate this and manipulate that. Hannah said, no, I'm going to go talk to God about it. 
I wonder, would you and I as a church pray and say, Lord, make us a fruitful church? As we go out and put out John and Romans, how many of us, what do we expect? We go out and go out and put out John and Romans. What do we expect the fruit, the outcome to be? Now look, this is a place that's hard in pride. It is. Our, look, our county is very, a very proud and arrogant county. But help me here. Would you expect any, anyone coming back from door knocking day to say, somebody got saved today? But couldn't God do it? We hope for it. We hope for it. Do we pray for it? You see, one of the verses that encourages me in the Bible is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But he also said to them, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. We're not careful. Unbelief settles into our heart. And we don't think God is able to make us fruitful in his work. I believe he is. How many believe that God could use you this year to personally truly win someone to faith in Jesus Christ unto repentant faith that someone actually get born again because God used you to win them to Christ. Is that what we long for? Or are we okay being fruitless? Hannah was not okay being fruitless and yet she could not make herself fruitful. So what did she do? She approached it by faith. She said, Lord, I'm asking you to do for me what I cannot cause myself to do. She wanted to be fruitful. So... Samuel's conception, I'll get, we'll shift to Samuel here in a minute. His conception from the onset was a miracle work of God, and she knew it. You know what I believe? Her years of fruitlessness allowed God to do a miracle in her life and make her fruitful. Number two, you know, let's see his conception, but we see his consecration. In this text, the Bible says, when Hannah prayed, that she vowed a vow, verse 11, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And she continued praying, so on and so forth. So she makes a vow to the Lord. She says, Lord, if you'll give him to me, I'll give him to you to serve you. He's consecrated from his mother's womb. In principle, when Samuel was born, he had already been given to God to serve. When a person's born again, they know nothing about serving God. Nothing. They don't even know anything about living a holy life. All they know is I was a sinner on my way to hell, deservedly so, and I came to the realization Jesus Christ did for me and will do for me what I need. I trusted him and he did something in my soul. And they're born again. That's about all they know. But this, you know what? The moment they're born, they are set aside to serve God. That's what they were birthed to do. And same with Samuel. So in principle, he was consecrated to God's service from the womb. In practicality, though, when did Samuel actually start serving God? This is a quiz. You know your Bible. Those of you who are in Sunday school and junior church this morning. When was it? What point in Samuel's life said, okay, now he's ready to go to the temple and start working with the priest? What was the, what was the trigger that said, okay, now he's ready? When he was weaned. Meaning when he could graduate from milk to meat. You know what? I, and I believe this. I believe um, we need to be... The, the number one thing required to serve the Lord is faithful. But it saddens me. And I believe this is a problem in Corinth. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What ought to take somebody... You think about the churches. Let me back up a little bit. The churches that Paul planted and established. How long did it take him to get people off of milk and on to meat in most churches? Months. Not 20 years. But he rebuked the Corinthians. He said, I've continually had to give you milk instead of meat because you can't take the meat. Meaning you're not ready to serve God until you can graduate from the milk of Scripture to the meat. 
Isn't that, was that not true of Samuel? The Bible says when he was weaned, meaning when he could handle some more than just liquid, when he had some teeth to chew, when you can take some hard text of Scripture and instead of getting offended at them and spitting them out, you can ingest them and incorporate them into your life. Amen? If we want to, you want to, so we're shifting to Samuel here. Young people in this church should not be milk drinkers if all we can handle is how to get saved. That's all we can handle is assurance of salvation and, and justification by faith and grace alone. Look, that's milk stuff. That's milk doctrine. And you need it to get some spiritual bones developed in you. But the doctrine of separation and how the local church should be carried out and spiritual responsibility as a Christian, that takes some meat stuff. Understanding the judgment seat of Jesus Christ and what holiness means for a Christian and how it doesn't save you, but it reveals your salvation and how that practically works in. So you go from mere knowledge to wisdom. That's when you're ready to actually do something in the service of God. And therefore, a lot of people never get graduated into actually... They are in principle, they're consecrated to God's service, but in practicality, they're incapable. Let me give you some scripture to back this up. Go, if you would, now to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are able. You know what Paul say? I have some deeper spiritual truth for you, but I can't give it to you. You know, I ever meet somebody say, there's a lot in the Bible I just don't get. And that, it's good to be honest about that. But you know what? What has to, what gets us to where we can be like Samuel and go from, here, here's what I'm trying to say. When Samuel got to where he could take, take meat physically, he was ready to be out of mama's house. You know when somebody's ready to be sent out of the church and go serve, be entrusted with something, if it's in the church, out of the church, when they can digest and ingest the word of God and see it apply in their life and graduate from the easy things like, well, I believe in creation, I believe we're saved only by faith in Jesus, to understanding what those things mean in my life and doctrinally where we stand, these kind of things. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, this verifies from the New Testament what is given by typology in the old. Hebrews chapter 5, the writer here has been talking about faith in Jesus Christ alone, justification by faith, and he wants to move on. He'll explain in chapter 6, I would like to move on to other things, Hebrews chapter 5, he says uh, in, uh, in this, in verse 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers. Okay, so you should not be the one being fed. You should be feeding. You should be the one telling others what it means to be born again. You should be the one telling others what, explaining Bible doctrine and getting them grounded in the truth of God's word. You should be teachers he says, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of what? Use. Meaning you've swallowed what you were given. When we're given a Bible principle and we say... I just don't, I, don't, I mean, no one kind of talks to somebody today. I give them a Bible principle. They said, I'm not going to do that. 
It's what the Bible says. Nope. What can you do next? Nothing. Nothing. Can't help now. We hear a Bible principle preached, and it's an easy one to understand. It's plain, black and white in Scripture. And so, Mother, you know, the church, not, I don't mean Catholicism, but the church is like a mama that feeds little ones through the Word of God, right? And a, a truth is given, we say, no, I don't, I don't accept that. It's not the way I think. We'll never move on to me. There are more difficult truths to be explained to us and incorporated in our lives that we can handle. How many of you know you've seen this progress in your life? You read through the Bible and you read something the Apostle Paul wrote, and you're like, I don't got a clue what he's talking about. I remember used to really reading about him glorying in infirmities. I'm like, that's one of the craziest things I ever read in my life. I wouldn't have said that, but that's what I thought. Are you kidding me? You glory in infirmities? That's not normal. It's not normal. It's very spiritual. God brings you along, brings you through some experiences. You accept the milk he's given you. One day you read that and you go, oh, I get it. I get it. You say, I don't, I don't get it. I believe this. If you stall spiritually in your growth, and I know... I'll get back to Samuel in a minute. If you stall spiritually somewhere, you're spitting out something. Somewhere, something that's been given, you said, mm. and you can't grow to meat if you don't swallow milk. You know what Samuel did? Mama fed him milk and mama fed him milk all along. Why? What was the goal? So she could have a child or grow the one she had so that he could go serve God. Now I say this. I am, I am tunnel vision right now. We have members in this church. We, we assemble, we sing, we preach, we teach for this purpose so you can go out and serve God. So you can go home as dads and moms and raise children for the Lord so you can go in the workplace and be a light, not conform to what they are, not cuss with them, not listen to their garbage, not converse with them and show you're more intelligent than them. Go and be a light for Jesus Christ. That's what the church is supposed to equip us to do. Strengthen us spiritually so we can go out and serve God's purposes. That's, I believe every time Hannah fed that baby, she said, I'm going to grow you and grow you until one day you're strong enough to go do what you were born to do. You know what? If you're not a soul winner, meaning this, I don't mean soul winning by some definition given some place. I'm talking about biblically. You're not someone who goes out and pursues men with the gospel. You need to grow. Because it is not normal for you as a Christian to be saved years and years and not fish for men. You're hung up back there somewhere. If you're not pursuing souls, Christ is not leading your life. Follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And I don't mean checking a box saying I did it. I left, I left a tracker. I went on door knocking with the organized group. I'm talking about having a heart for seeing people come to faith in Christ. That's what Jesus Christ teaches us to do. But it takes spiritual growth to do that. And Hannah had a son, and her intent all along was one thing. We are not raising this boy. She never balked on her decision to say, I'm raising him not to keep him. I'm raising him to give him. That ought to be our hearts as parents. It ought to be a heart as a church. These young people being raised not to be kept. Jesus said, Chris and I were talking yesterday. It's just interesting. We were talking back and forth about, he said, a little riddle. He said, what's the greatest need in missions, and what's the solution to it? My first thought was the greatest need is labors and solution is prayer. But he said it's a riddle. That's too easy. I said, oh, every answer I'm coming up with isn't a riddle. He said, let me rephrase. It's probably not a riddle. I said, I would have said laborers and prayer. 
as I'm shooting off my text, he's sending one back. They crossed in the air, and he said, I was out today and working, looking at all these villages, all these people, and thought, Jesus said, pray you therefore, Lord of the harvest. He said, what we need is laborers. Now, I wonder what we can do to get some laborers down here. He said, and then I remember what he said, pray. You know, the Bible's pretty simple. You know what? We don't need to pray that we can... Com- I, I had this thought, and I've said it probably three times since yesterday. We are not in competition with the world. We are in conflict. Meaning this, we are not trying to best the world and show them we can do life better than you. Right? We're trying to reveal to them you're on, your, on a track of an eternity without God in hell, and God would love to rescue you from that, and we want to tell you about it. And my point is this tonight. Hannah understood some things about why her son was born, why she would be fruitful. And so then the consecration of Samuel in principle was from the womb, but in practicality it was from the weaning. You know, and ask yourself tonight, am I a weaned Christian? Have I been weaned off of the simple doctrines that I knew when I first got saved And am I able to grow in my knowledge and wisdom and understanding and spiritual strength to be able to handle some things that are a little more difficult to take? And so then, number three, we see his conception. It was a miracle. She was fruitless, but she had faith, and God miraculously gave her a child. His consecration, in principle, from the womb, but in practicality, from weaning. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see his calling. And we'll move more quickly here. I'll endeavor to and get this thing wrapped up tonight. His calling, 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible says in verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. Precious means it was very rare to hear from God. Very rare. It's precious. Verse 2. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see and ear the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. And for thou didst call me. And he answered, I call not my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. He doesn't recognize the, words, the, the voice of the Lord. Verse 8, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. We'll say more about this in just a moment. When I get to his conviction, we conclude the message. His calling here, I want to see three things about his calling. His readiness for the call. What made Samuel ready to hear when God said, Okay, now I've got a specific job for you. Was Samuel already serving God? He was ministering to whom? The Lord in the temple. If you go read Acts chapter 13, you know what Paul and Barnabas were doing in the church in Antioch? They were ministering to the Lord. If you want God to use you, do what is at your hand to do. Amen? If you can, if you can pray, pray. Someone says, what is God's specific will for my life? I don't know, but you know what? Samuel was trimming lamps, blowing candles out, opening curtains and doors doing things a little boy can do. You know how you get God to get more specific and give you some greater responsibility? Do faithfully what he's given you to do in the first place. 
If you're not faithful in the small things, you'll not be entrusted with the greater thing. God had a great ministry in mind for Samuel. God was going to use Samuel. Not one of his words would fall to the ground. How did Samuel prepare? I know he went to the best theological institute in the land. No, he was obedient to what God gave him to do. His mama sent him there to be a help to Eli. You know what he was? He was a help. He was so helpful that and when Eli called, he didn't sit there and say, do I have to get out of bed again? He had such a mentality. He said, I want, I want to work. I want to be helpful. I want to serve God. And he jumped up, ran to Eli. Yes, what did you need? I'm going to tell you something. I've watched all my life. That's the kind of people God calls and goes and does great things with them. Not someone says, are you kidding? Another prayer meeting? Are you kidding? We're going to go give out the gospel again. Are you kidding? We have to go do that. You kidding? We're going to meet for church again? A lot of pressure put on pastors. Not by this group of people. Not by you. But in general, a lot of pressure put on pastors today to nix Sunday night service. Let's have a Sunday morning service, a little meal on the grounds, a little sermonette. Let's go home. Because that's more spiritual. No, convenient. More comfortable. Easier. Not too much burden serving God. You know what? Samuel had a heart said, if Eli needs something, I'm his guy. I've watched people that God calls. They get that mentality to say, you know what? Toilet needs cleaned. I'll be glad to do it. Um, we need this done. When can I, when can I do it? Isn't it amazing? It's the busiest people that serve God the most. It is. It's people that ought to have time that don't have time. It's people that ought to have time. I've, I've watched people retired, nothing to do, and they don't have time to be in church. They don't have time to serve God. And you see people, they're working 60 hours a week, raising a family, and they always have time to serve God. Isn't that amazing? It's about this right here. Heart. Samuel had a heart to do what he had been consecrated to do. Samuel had one job in life, serve God. And he knew that. You know what serving God was as a child? I'll get this for Eli and I'll get that for Eli. I'll open the blinds. I'll do whatever I need to do. That will prepare you for what God ultimately wants to do with your life later. He was ready to hear God's call because he had the obedient ear that I've been preaching about. He had an ear that wasn't trying to get out of work. He had an ear that said, I want to, I want to serve and do what I was born to do. Serve God. He had a readiness for his call, his response to the call. How did he figure out how to respond? How did he know to say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth? Someone else who knew how to re- communicate with God told him. He listened to, by the way, a very flawed human being told him this. Someone that wasn't really practicing what he preached. But he said, when that voice comes to you again, you say, speak, Lord. It's not me, son. Young people, listen. And this doesn't matter. Young Christians need to listen. There'll come a time when you'll learn to listen more clearly. You'll realize God is speaking to you about some things. It's not the adults in your life. I remember a transition in my life where I began to look at the things I had been taught and preached from my pastors and teachers and parents and examine it against the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit of God began to make those things my convictions. I was hearing from Him, not them. That's what happened in Samuel's life. Eli said, Son, it's not me talking to you. You're used to simply obeying my voice. One of my hearts for you young people, and I pray this for you, especially some of you who are in the workforce and going into the workforce, that you will learn to listen to the Holy Spirit of God because He'll keep you out of trouble. He'll keep you safe. He'll lead you to the right mate. He'll keep you away from the wrong one. He'll keep you away from the wrong crowd. You need to learn to listen to his voice. And he says, hey, hey, you need to learn to recognize that's not my parents talking to me now. That's not my preacher talking to me now. That's the Holy Spirit of God talking to me. 
But may I say, you'll learn to listen to the Holy Spirit by learning to listen to human authorities in your life. Samuel could hear God because he knew how to hear Eli. You with me tonight? If you can't listen to mom and dad, I promise you, you can't listen to God. Hear me? You can't obey a simple instruction from mom and dad. Don't expect God to give you direction in your life. You'll never hear him. You'll never hear him. Can I flip the coin? I see some young people, know some young people in this room. You take seriously the counsel, the instruction, the preaching, the teaching, the parenting you're receiving, and I expect God to use you. I expect it. You know why? I watch how you listen. I watch how attentive you are, how concerned you are. You're not perfect, but how concerned you are. I want to hear the Lord. I want to do the right thing with my life. So Samuel's readiness was he was doing what he could do. He was doing the simple things that he could do. He was listening to the human voice in his life when he heard the heavenly. Same with Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13. They were teaching in the church at Antioch, just doing their job when the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, these people. His readiness for the call is response. He said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And then God gave him a tough message and gave him a tough assignment. But he was receptive to it. The Bible says in verse 11, um, verse 10, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of every one that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. Got a question. How old is this kid? He's young. It's a pretty heavy message, isn't it? What kind of heart this boy have? God said, I can trust you with a truth that's very difficult to receive. He was a meat eater. He could take a difficult truth and accept it. You know what God's saying? The man that you've been obeying has not been obeying me. And I'm going to entrust you with that, and you're going to have to tell him. Serious? May I say this? If you're going to serve God, your loyalty to him is going to be tested. You can be loyal to God. Be loyal to his word. Yeah, we'll see that in just a minute. He passes, but he received what he was given. The Bible says in verse 15, And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, still being faithful in him, doing what he'd done every day. And Samuel did what? Feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee and more also if thou hide anything from me of all things that he said unto thee. I believe Eli already knew what God said to him. And Samuel told him every whit and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Let me speak to you young people again. You know what you need? You need a close relationship with God. That's what you need. You need when God speaks to be able to listen, hear him, and whatever he tells you through his word, you be loyal to him. That's the kind of people God uses. I don't know of anybody that doesn't want to be influential. You know what? When I die, I want to leave a mark. Not a mark for me, not a monument for me, but I want to live and die And nobody knew I loved God. Nobody knew the God that I know. I don't want to live and die having been called to preach and nobody heard me preach. 
You see what I'm saying? I, I, I want to be able to affect people's lives for righteousness. How then do we gain influence? I believe the key to influence is another I word. It's called integrity. Integrity. We have a crisis of a lack of integrity in our nation today, even in our churches. Pragmatism is the opposite of integrity. I will compromise righteousness for certain results. You know what, Samuel? had a, his first assignment. Here, God gives him his word, and his first assignment is you've got to tell that guy I, what I already told him. God's going to cut you off and cut your family off because you won't obey him. What a message. But you know as well as I do, as Samuel did, we've seen his conception, his, com- his consecration, his calling, but his conviction is seen in this chapter. He's afraid. Conviction is not the absence of fear. Conviction is saying, I'll be loyal to the truth in the presence of fear. I will speak the truth even though I know there may be consequences that are adverse toward me. And if God's going to use you, you have to be loyal to him over loyalty to men. Amen? I thank God for parents. I do. I thank God for parents who said, you know what? If ever comes the day that you have to choose loyalty to us or loyalty to God, don't you even hesitate. You be loyal to God. I was taught that by my parents, by my pastors. You be loyal to God's word. You know what Eli says? He said, I, I, what did he tell you? He didn't tell me. What did he tell you? you t- I think he could have seen Samuel's fear. You know what Samuel did? He told him every whit. He said, God said this about you, Eli. God said this. God said this. What God says he's going to do to you because you won't deal with your sons. You haven't restrained him. You let them go. You know what they're doing. You let them do it anyway. And Eli said, it is the Lord. And from that day forward, the Bible said, God let none of his words fall to the ground. You want your words to have weight? then you give the weight to God's words that they're worthy of. You and I want to be listened to. Let us be good listeners. You know what? I don't know. I do not know. I won't even pretend to know. The call of God on every person's life in this room as it is particular. I do know before we get a specific call that God reveals to us for our, how he wants to use us personally, there are some things in general all of us can do. We get an opportunity to prove, but do we really want to serve the Lord? If we will not do what we can do, will not be allowed to do the next thing God has for us to do. Amen? And I find in Samuel tonight, what a tremendous example of someone who from his birth, his birth was a miracle. From his birth, he was set apart to serve God. Early on in life, he understood that, and he did things like opening the curtains in the house of God, and God spake to him, and he answered the call. And if you read the book of 1 Samuel, from that day forward, Samuel was loyal to God, faithfully obeyed God, declared God's word, And God gave him great power and influence over people for the Lord. It was Samuel who got to anoint David to be king and see that man become king and so forth, at least the beginnings of that. I don't know about you tonight. I want God to use us that way. I want us to be a fruitful church. But I want us to produce people who recognize God's call, are loyal to God's word, and live by conviction. We're not wanting to see souls saved so we can keep, so we can give. Amen? We can give and let God use. I don't know what part of the message may apply to you tonight. God may have spoken to you something. You've said, you know, I, I, I can't be loyal to God's word. Or you stop growing. If that's the case, God is a merciful God. Jonah tried that one time and he got a second chance. <laughs> Maybe tonight you say, you know what, I just, I really want God to use me. Ready yourself for him to talk to you. Walk in the light. Do what you know is right. Listen to, to, to his will that you know to be, and in his light you'll see light.